we wrap up the series called All Hands on Deck. All Hands on Deck is a call for accidents when uh, people recognize that something's urgent, that something's moving, and we need all people at their stations doing what God's called them to do. And as you look around the country and as you look around the world, we see the hands of God moving things. We see God's power uh, moving things forward. And we want to be a church, one that's right and true, that's all hands on deck. Um, and that's exactly what it means. We are asking you to put your hands in on what God is doing in this church. Just before the pandemic a few years ago, the Dow Poll Organization, they run service. We did a survey in the United States to see how people here define success. This is in 2019. I have a picture here of what that article looked like. It's Americans' perceptions of success in the United States. He spoke with over 5,000 people, and they asked them what do you think people in society would do as successful? What makes you successful? And then they asked them personally, what do you think to you personally? How do you define success? And the results were a little bit Surprising. Here are the results. You can see they're broken into two categories. This is what people said. You know, other people see this as success, but this is what I see as success. And you can see when they ask people how does society define success, the biggest kind of chunk of the pie there was success. You know, it's, it's who you are, it's how you roll, it's the title. Those things are what define you as a success. And, and they said, you know, other things like education, your degrees, your, you know, trades, or the job you have, that also defines you as success. This is how people saw society. But for them themselves, they said, my scale is a little bit different. You see, it's much more uh, split up more evenly. You prioritize things like meaningful relationships, like character, and quality of life. It was a little bit shocking because I think everyone who was doing this poll felt that these two ties would look the same. But people are saying, you know, society has one definition of what they think is great, what they think is success, but I have a little bit of different definition for myself. Now, again, this is pre pandemic, this is 2019. As they did this again, these two ties are beginning to look more and more similar. People are starting to say status means less. Your education means less of what makes you successful. And what really makes you successful is things like community. Sound familiar? Join hands. So the thing that really makes you successful is, is your character, what you do, uh, uh, how you serve others, how you engage the quality of your life and the meaningfulness of your work is what makes you successful. Does that sound familiar? Confused to me, like people are starting to touch on that it's not really what you own or material things that makes you successful, it's how you use what God is giving you that makes you successful. All of us, almost all the 5,000 people that get questioned, want to be successful. All of us want to be great at something. We want our life to be worth something. We want our life to be remembered. When you leave this place, we want to have a legacy. We want to be great. Now, if you want to learn to do something, you should probably learn from the people who already are those things, right? If I wanted to learn basketball, I wouldn't ask a senior. I told Michael Jordan, he said, show me how to shoot basketball. And if I wanted to sing, I wouldn't ask Michael Jordan, show me 
than those who are seen. I'll go to a professional singer. Now, if we are people who are wanting to be great, wanting to be successful, which we all are, who can we learn greatness from? The greatest seven. How many know that God is great? Isn't that great? Scripture itself says it in Psalms 145, verse 3. It says, Great is the greatest glory. He is the most worshipped praise, and no one can measure his greatness. There was a famous boxer, how many remember Muhammad Ali, who would walk around and say, I am the greatest, I am the greatest. And Muhammad Ali, at one time, he was flying on an airplane in the stewardess told him, they said, oh, Mr. Ali, you need to put on your seatbelt. And uh, Ali told the stewardess, straight up, straight up, he said, uh, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she said, I understand, Mr. Ali, but Superman also is in your plane. Mr. Ali, you can see how we all want to be great, but nothing matches the greatness of God. And you can see in Psalm 45, it speaks of the splendor, the power, the deeds of God. His miracles are great. His compassion and His mercy, His unfailing love for you, the Bible says, is great. God is great. And if we're going to learn what it means to be great and successful, we can learn from the greatest of all time, Jesus Christ Himself. It's crazy, but it's the truth of what means. Thanks. 
enemy. What are the signs of the enemy? You know, we look at all the great things happening in the world, and many of us think, oh, man, this is the end. All the signs are there. In Matthew 24 and 25, this is the signs of the enemy. And what Jesus is giving across to them in Matthew 25 is, he said, look, don't worry about when the end is. You just be ready for when I come back. You can come back at any time. Nobody knows. If you listen very well this morning, if you YouTube or social media someplace who tells you, I don't know when Jesus is returning, immediately cut that person off. Immediately. You just have to say, don't give that person one other iota of your mind state. The word says, not one of you knows you are, or the time. Our job is just to be what? Ready. And Jesus here is telling us, this is how you get ready. This is how you be a person who's ready. And it connects with being the greatest person of yourself, of being a person who becomes a servant to all. So beginning in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, we're going to go to verse 30. And I'm going to show you briefly five things to this parable of Jesus teaches about what do you do with what he gives you? Are you going to be a person who's ready, who's great? When Jesus returns, is there in this life or the next for you? When you find in the place of living great, I'm telling this message of faithful living, and this is from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. You don't have a Bible, the verses will be on the screen here for you. Verse 14, this is Jesus teaching the people, and says the vision the kingdom of heaven, he's speaking about the ways, the conduct, and the character of how he wants us to live. He's saying the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. Now, he is the man. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. So, for clarity's sake, who's the man who's going on a trip? That's Jesus, that's God. He calls his people, you and I, before he goes on the trip and he says, Here, I'm going to give you something while I'm gone. I'm going to entrust it to you. You see the word trust, any trust. Because God is trusting you with the things he's given you. Verse 15. He gave five bags of silver to one of the servants. He gave two bags of silver to the other. And one bag of silver to the last. The value in proportion to their abilities. That he left on his trip. I want you to notice a couple things here. God doesn't give equally to everyone. Some of you may have a problem with that with God. God, why does that person get five and this person gets two and that person gets one? I wish I had this before you, but I'm not God. I will try to pretend like I am. All I know is that God gives everybody something, though. Do you notice that? They were all given something. Equally, but all were given something by God. Now, there's the thing about how much value these bags of silver were. Some people will go as far as say this is like 20 years wages. These people were getting something of high extreme value. Even the one who had one bag, that was eventually someone giving you your wages for the next 20 years. Here you go. You'd be like, whoa. That's one bag of silver. Now imagine if you had your next 40 years of wages in one month from you'd be like, whoa. Now imagine if you had a hundred years of wages in one month from you'd be like, wow. So the man gave these servants something super valuable. 
valuable. What is gold? But what's valuable? But the one thing that all had a life was an opportunity. And every person here today, you are alive and you are hearing my voice. You have the same opportunity as every other person sitting in this room or watching this live stream to serve God with what He's given you today. All of us have that same opportunity. We all just the same. We're not all just in a life. It's in God's life. We have the body of Christ. And there's difference in there's diversity in our giftings. And praise God for that because we need all kinds of giftings. But one thing we can say we all do have is we all have the same opportunity. This is the first thing I want you to notice here that you get from this parable. And he said, God's giving you gifts and talents that you can trust with you with. God's giving you something. If you're here, I want you to understand that you've been created with a destiny, with a purpose, with a will and a plan that God knows for your life. And He has made you now, already, with what you need to complete that purpose. Ephesians 2 says, For we are God's masterpiece. We were created anew in Jesus Christ so that we could do what? Good things. It's plain for us long ago. When God needs you, when God needs you together, when you were born out of the womb of the mother, you have everything you needed for God to complete His role and His purpose in your life. Because God doesn't make knockoffs, God doesn't make cheap stuff. God makes masterpieces. And in the plan that He has for your life, no one else can take the place that you have. You are the masterpiece. His master plan for your life. And from the moment you are born, you have everything you need to fulfill and complete that mission, that plan, and that purpose. Isn't that great? But wait, I know. We messed up. We messed up God's masterpiece. And I've heard many people talk to every single person like me because you don't know about I've lived, you don't know what I've done, you don't know what the things I've been through, my brokenness, my addictions, my past, my background, my record, my reality. I mean, people say, oh, you know, I, 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 I've ruined what God has tried to do in my life. But look at the second part of this scripture. Because God needs you a masterpiece. But He has created what? You. Through who? Through Christ Jesus. That means when God steps in and He rescues you, He picks you up, He turns you around, He puts your feet on solid ground, and He gives you the second chance that you need. So listen, your background doesn't scare God away. Everything He knows it, and He wants to use it, He wants to redeem it, and He wants to put it to use for His kingdom. God has created you with gifts and talents to have them right now. To do something for God. And you may have broken them, you may have put them on the shelf. Well, welcome to the second chance of your lifetime because you are created anew in Christ Jesus. To complete the good work that He's had for you, you have it all right now. It's an error for people to take credit for the things that they have themselves, right? I know some people in ministry will say, you know, it's my degree. It's been my hard work. It's been my grit. It's been my determination. It's been my my best to make this happen. And most people come to this position that they make things happen for themselves. And listen, friends, if that's you here today, uh, I know you're great. 
this mark that brings that gives it to you. Your ability to speak, the mouth, the intellect, I gave that to you. The breath in your lungs that you have to wake up to go to the morning to provide for your family. God gave all of that to you. My question to you here this morning is, do you know what God is giving you? Are you aware that God has gifted you, that God has created you, that He's molded you, that He's prepared you, that He's crafted you? There's a specific plan and purpose that He has for your life. God gives us gifts and talents, and He can trust us with them. It's like the servants here, right? They were each given something, and then the master left on the trip. Let's continue with the story in verse 16. The servant who received five bags of silver, he began to invest. He began to use what God had given He began to invest the money, and he earned five bags more. Verse 17, the servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. He used what God gave him. Verse 18, but the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and gave the master's money. Hmm. No one had to tell these guys what to do when the, when the master left, right? No one had to say, hey, okay, this is what you got to do now. This is the second thing I want you to know. God has entrusted you and given you gifts and talents, but number two, God expects you to use the gifts and talents that He gives you. He expects you to put them to work. No one needed to tell these guys to go out and to invest what, what the master had given them and to use it, to grow it, to apply it, to make people's lives better for it, to give it themselves because they need the heart of the master, except for one. Except for one. What God is giving you, you are to use it, and you are to use it to serve the master, to serve his people. But we all knew that he was coming back. And again, the whole purpose of this parable, Jesus was trying to teach these men that, you know what, I'm going away soon. I'm going to the cross, I'm going to my death, and then I'm going to be with the Father in heaven. But I will come back. And when I come back, you need to be ready. You need to be ready because life isn't just about the here and the now. The whole purpose of this was to get people to be ready, to be eternity minded. To be eternity minded. Some of you have seen this illustration before, but it reminds me of this rope. Okay, I have this rope here. I want you to imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. Right? This, is your, this is your existence here. And this rope. I just bought it this morning and it says it's 50 feet long. But I want you to imagine that this world goes on forever. Because it represents eternity. So this is a world that goes, it goes around the world five or six times. And it goes on forever. This is eternity. And, and Jesus is saying, hey, I wonder if I'm coming back and you need to be ready because you need to be eternally minded. And, and, and this illustration reminds me of that because when you consider eternity, this whole world is your existence and it goes on forever. This red part here, this represents your life on this earth. This is it. If this world went on forever, this is your life here. And then we're obsessed over this here. We don't think about at all about the rest of the white part. We just think about the red part. And we just say, man, you know we're doing like from here to here, I'm working hard and I sit, I'm doing 
going from here to here. From here to here, I'm going to be in my life. And I'm going to be a I'm going to be a I work from here to here, but this little piece of land here is right here. Oh, man, that's going to be the time of my life. And forget about all of this. You understand that this white part, this could come in a bigger time. Tomorrow's promise to no one, the Bible says. But we are so obsessed with this that we forget that there's a whole eternity here for us to think about. And what Jesus is saying, he's saying, hey, what you do here in this little red part, what you do here in this little red part, is going to impact all of us. How you live, the decisions that I take, how you use what I give you here will determine what happens in everything that follows. And I'm just blown away sometimes of how crazy we have stuff with this. And we never think of it. The rest of this thing that goes on forever. What you do is what God is doing. To keep the work that we continue, to grow it, to improve it, to serve people, and to become more like Him. My next question to you is what are you doing with what God is giving you? What are you doing with it? Are you investing it? Are you growing it? Are you putting it to use? Or are you hiding it? Like the one servant who did it. Let's keep going with the story. Verse 19. After a long time, the next return from the trip, and he called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The whole thing I want you to understand one, God gives you gifts and talents to use. Number two, he expects you to use them. Number three, he will hold you accountable to how you use what he gave you. Listen, back to this timeline, right? Back to the timeline. When you transition from the red to the white, no matter who you are, you will sit across from the master himself. You will need to give accounts of what you did here in this little red piece. And one of the things that he can ask you is what you can do with what I gave you. How you can ask that. What was said? The master returns and he wants to know what's going on. Now remember, he expects you to use what he's given you. Now, Earlier in the story, some of you heard one got five, one got two, one got one. We don't feel bad for the one guy. We don't feel bad for that guy. We only got one guy. I don't know if that's the right perspective because you got five. It's a lot harder to take five and work with five. So we say, I can't manage five. I can manage one. So don't feel so bad for the one who only got one. Remember, they were not all given equally. But they were all given the equal opportunity to do something with what God has given you. Now, like I said, you will be held accountable to how you use what God gave you. This is from 2 Corinthians 5, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 10. It says, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve. That's scary. You will each receive whatever you deserve for the good or evil that you have done in earthly time. This part here carries so 
much influence for what happens all the rest of your existence. You will have to stand before Christ to be judged by God. God is faithful, and God is loving, and God is forgiving, and God is also just. In that moment, excuses will not fly. We'll get to that later. In this judgment that he's about to have here with these three servants, there's going to be two categories faithful, unfaithful. That's it. It's not a third category. That's how it plays out, verse 20. The servants to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver. Came forward with five more and said, Master, we gave you five bags of silver to invest, and I earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, good and faithful servants. Servants. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Verse 22, the servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave two bags of silver to him. I have earned two more. That master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. Now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Did they give that the same amount? No. Was he faithful over what you were given? Yes. The master praised them equally. Yes. Did the one who brings five get more praise than the one who brought back the two? No. Did they both get to celebrate in the presence of their master? Yes, because they both were faithful. The next thing I want you to understand is that God will reward you when you are faithful with what he has given you. God will reward you when you are faithful with what he has given you. I trust you with things. He expects you to use it. You're going to be held accountable for it. And when you're faithful with it, guess what? God will reward you. The great joy, the Bible says, the master was full of praise for his faithful servants, right? What made these men successful? Just listen. The faithfulness is saying, hey, I will use God what you have given me. Now, another excuse I hear from some people say, say, God doesn't give me much. Like, I'm not gifted, I'm not talented, I really can't do anything to help serve the body of Christ. Jesus has an answer for you. Because some of his disciples used that your time to disqualify people that they thought were not fit for service. And I want you to see what Jesus says here. And this is for you. If you're here and you're saying, you know, I really don't have much to give, what am I going to give? I don't have a Bible, I don't know the word. You know, I'm not, I don't know too many people. I can't do it. What can I do? I can't do it. Matthew 10, 42, Jesus says this. If you give even a cup of cold water, if you could just smile and greet someone at the door, if you could kind of stack a pile of chairs and set up a sanctuary, and if you could teach a three-year-old a Bible lesson, you can stand in the back and just look out and make sure that people are safe. Right? Jesus is saying, even if you serve a cup of water, what happens when you need to serve a cup of water to one of the least of my followers? It says, surely you will be what? Rewarded. God sees that. And God approves of that. And God appreciates that. 
will be rewarded. Our greeters, when you walked in this morning, we were just a friendly face to say, good morning, how are you? Good to see you. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. Hey, maybe to you it wasn't a big deal. He's done because we've seen him a hundred times. But now he's looking at them and saying, let's turn in fresh, cold water to release the beast. And surely, you will be rewarded. When you serve, it doesn't matter what you did. If God is just giving you the ability to serve a cup of water, then you know what? Serve your cup of water. God is going to reward it because God sees it. God sees it. Did you notice in the teaching there, God said, you've been faithful with this little amount, and now I'm going to do what? I'm going to give you more. I'm going to give you more. So if all you have to see right now is to serve a cup of water, be faithful with the little, and watch God. Watch God do the most. God sees, God rewards, God is faithful with the little. Some people are always wanting more. They want more. You ever see people who just want more? They'll do so well with the right hand because they want more. Prophet Lewis says this. He says, The key to having more is not asking for more. The key to more is what? To doing more with what you already have. People who always give me more, give me more. Well, be faithful with the little that you have right now. If you want to promote your work, be faithful with your time card now. You want better health, the stamina for your body, start being faithful with your body now. You want your finances ordered, you want to get out of debt, then start coming back and craft a budget now. Be faithful over the little, and God will give you more. You want to be a leader in the church. You want to be an influencer of the church. How about starting by attending a group now? You see, because many of us faithful. We need to be faithful because in the walk of faith, rewards are not always immediate. You don't see it right away. It's the law of sowing and reaping. You sow seeds in the ground. If you go out the next morning and say, well, nothing's there, it must not have worked, you'd be a fool. Things take time to take root. Things take time to work, and God takes time to work in your soul. And if you are faithful, in other words, if you are faithful, say, hey, in faith I will keep serving, in faith I will keep preaching, in faith I will keep praying, in faith I will keep sharing my story, because I know in time God will give me a harvest if I say it now. He's my word faithful. You know, it's a little detail that it took the master a long time to come back. That means they were oh, he's not here. Okay, next week he's not here. Next week he's not here. Where is he? Is he coming back? No, they'll say, my master will come back. And when my master comes back, I will be ready. Because my faith is in my master's return. And he's not needed to be faithful. Because it takes faith to keep moving forward at times when there's no rewards. And you have faith to say, God will reward you. Because he promises you. You know, Hebrews 11 6. It says, It is impossible to please God without what? Without faith. It's not needed to have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him needs to know that he exists and that he is the one. It's what to the people who know that this exists and that you want to know that God is real and that God will reward you. He rewards those. God rewards those who what? Sincerely seek. Those who faithfully 
I'm going to hold you accountable to it. I'm going to reward you if you use it right. But if you don't, this is what happens. Verse 26. The next three five. You wicked and messy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant, and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Just to paraphrase, saying, Jesus, you know, if you were scored, you could at least serve the people's life. You could at least give him a warm smile on the door. If you were sitting there, I'd tell you that if you knew me, if you knew I existed, if you were full of faith in me, not full of fear of me, this would not be happening. Let's continue. Verse 28. He then ordered, this is Jesus ordering, take the message from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have it in abundance. This is God's word. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Verse 30. Throw, throw the sweetest servants into the outer darkness where they will be weeping and gnashing with you. This servant has the same message. You only have one. And where the other two are celebrating and in the presence of Jesus and they're receiving more for their faithfulness and they're experiencing all the goodness that God has for their life, this one, the Bible says, is thrown away from God where there's weeping, there's real pain and suffering, and there's nothing of peace, there's regret, and there's fear, and there's frustration because they know forever they will be separated from the presence of God. My word, this is what it means. This is a little bit of how I'm not actually meant to. When I get there, when I get there, when I get there, when, I, when, I, when my time comes, and all, all of us will get there, all of, all of us will transition from the red to the white, and the white to hold on longer to the red. But when I get there, when I get there, I don't want to hear other darkness. I want to hear good. Well done, but it's disturbing. Come and celebrate today. That's why I, I'm trying to live a life where, where, where it's not just my family, and it's not perfect, and it's not always put together, and it's not always through your taste or other people's approval. I'm not after other people's approval. And quite honestly, sorry to disappoint you. I'm not after your approval either. I'm after Jesus' approval for my life. That's it. I want to share with you is that what we do in this life, some of you look at the picture of this slide and put it somewhere close to you, what we do in this life will have a direct impact on eternity. What you do here, there were two big things for these guys. One was heaven and eternity, wisdom, 
and one with all in eternity away from God. So there's two things in two categories. One was good and faithful, the other one was wicked and wicked. How do you live with fear in this life and the rest of the impact your eternity? You must be ready. Recognize that it's not a spiritual thing. You don't misunderstand me. Your works will not save you. What you say is by works. You are saved by faith. But by works, our faith is justified. And if you're judged by what you do and how you serve and how you love, your faith will be justified to the God. The question, this is my final question for you, the question I want to leave you with. What are you doing with what God is giving you? What are you doing with the things God is giving you? What are you doing with the character, the warmth that God is giving you? What are you doing with the time that is giving you? What are you doing with the talents that God is giving you? What are you doing with the abilities that God is giving you? Are you using them? To be great, to serve others, and to serve God, we are hiding them. We are hiding them. How do you use the work of this? Can you get this one?